yeah. And this is audio only. This is audio only. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Sounds we want to match the video someday, but so I don't need to comb my beard or anything. <laughs> <laughs> you can be here in all your splendor and glory. <laughs> Thanks again for being here, Michael. Um, maybe you prefer Parker, but I'm guessing you prefer Michael at this stage of life. So I am here with Michael Esch. Mm-hmm. Many of us have known him as Parker over the years, uh, and I could introduce you, but I would love for you to introduce yourself. I guess, you do you prefer Michael? And then just who are you? What makes you tick? So. Excellent. It's an honor to be here with you, Dave, for sure. Yeah. Michael Ash is the name. Michael is the more <laughs> common name in this stage in life, for sure. I usually tell people, if you really want to feel like you know me well, Parker goes just fine, because uh, the old, uh, the core group of people I do life with still call me Parker a lot, so that's yeah. totally fine. Yeah. 33 years of age, yeah. married to my wife, Catherine, for yeah. 11 years, and we have four children. That's kind of the... The brief snapshot of yeah. where I'm at in life. It's amazing. How old's your oldest and your youngest, or what are the ages of your children? Yes, our oldest child is a daughter. Her name's Olivia, nine years old, mm. and then three boys following her, <laughs> ages seven, four, and two. Wow. Tremendous honor, tremendous honor. It's one of my dreams come true for sure, That's living amazing. in that family stage of life yeah. and being able to disciple in the home. Yeah. And that's where I think one of the questions, obviously, I mean, at 33 years old, married for 11 years, four kids, and I hear this a lot from people in your stage of life, like there's a lot of things vying for your attention. Mm -hmm. So what are the things that you give time to? So obviously family, we know that. Uh, We all know that conceptually, ideally, that would be number one, but Mm -hmm. (laughs) life tends to kind of creep in. So what are the things that you, as Michael, and as your wife, Catherine, choose to give your time to? Yes, that's a great question. Great question, and one to be wrestled with probably until we (laughs) die, right? Um, Giving time towards our family, we'll talk about that a bit more. That is something that I have, so as a young person, as a teenager, and early 20s, we're we're seeking to what can I do for the Lord? What can I do for mm. the Lord? Where can I go to serve? Who can I serve? Mm. How can I disciple? And in the early years of our marriage was just kind of hit with this realization or or uh, challenged by this thought that the people that I have the so discipleship is what? Doing life with people, teaching, training, helping them become like you. That's the whole idea of effective discipleship, mm. right? And realizing that the Lord is gifting my wife and I with several humans living with us 24-7 in the thick and thin of it, man, that's that's the most beautiful discipleship program I will ever have an opportunity to be a part of. Come on. And so seeking to really see that as one of our primary discipleship programs, if you will, because it makes me feel better. I don't know. And realizing that there's a lot of other things that get said no to because I've committed to discipling these people. Yeah. And obviously that goes through all kinds of different stages with the ages of the children and all. But Mm -hmm. yes, seeking to serve the Lord through family. Mm -hmm. And it's one of the most beautiful ways that the kingdom of God is, Mm -hmm. is lived out and grown. Mm -hmm. But also 
um, being involved in other opportunities to mm. serve, whether in our church community or um, family business and so mm. forth. And so, church, what is your role at church? Yes, we're a part of the congregation at Bethel Christian Fellowship, and we've been on the leadership team um, for the last almost two years, serving in the role of a deacon mm. primarily. So I do some preaching, but uh, number one focus is connecting with people mm. and member care, mm. connecting with the the um, widows and elderly primarily. Yeah. yeah. So caring for people, I see you doing that. Don't matter where you are, you're very intentional to care for people. Mm-hmm. So I'm confident that's a good fit for you, a good role for you. But then business, talk about business a bit as well. Uh, so what what are you involved in and what's your role within the company? Because it's a family business and so there's mm-hmm. all these tensions of like who does what. So yes, yeah, what are you involved in there? Yes, involved in a construction company, E&E General Contracting, started by um, my father in 1993. And mm-hmm. so grew up in that, in the small business environment. And that's the only job I've um, had as a, aside from some small mm-hmm. handyman jobs as a really young kid. But mm-hmm. growing up, working with dad, one or two crews, and that's developed as as um, some of us boys have grown up into mm-hmm into a stage in life where we're sharing leadership and just Mm -hmm. having fun, learning how to grow a team, et cetera. (laughs) Current role within the company is production manager and HR. So yes, connecting with people. I love it. That's, that's my passion. I, it's part of my purpose statement is to encourage and disciple people Mm -hmm. and any opportunity, whether at home, Mm -hmm. whether at church, whether at business, that's what, brings me life yeah connecting with people it's like we were talking a little bit earlier i just said that was really one of the reasons i wanted to connect because this is this is about living a life of significance it's not per se saying that this is what success is and this Mm -hmm. is what we all need to aspire to do and -hmm. your life and what you're giving your time to is very varied because then there's strawblaze outfitters as well right i know you're in the hoping to hand that off but that has been part of your story of utilizing wilderness for a discipleship, a place of discipleship, yes. right? That's right. And so I know you're looking to transition out of that, but as you sit here, you're involved in Trailblaze and you're involved in another two businesses, basically church and family. Mm-hmm. And a friend of mine, uh, Pastor Steve, talks about this that somebody told him, you know, family business and ministry is a hot fire. <laughs> and so it's like you're sitting in that fire, right? Yes. Um, so that's why it's an honor to have you here and was just kind of intrigued how you guys make all. All of this work, but you alluded to something earlier around your journey of, of where you sit now as a young man. Um, so can you just share a bit more about what was that process for you? Why was that significant for you? Because again, I think some of our guests may be in a season of development that is very significant, mm-hmm. but when you're in those seasons, you don't always know what it's leading unto, right? Mm-hmm. And so as you sit here in your early 30s, what was some of your journey as a young man that you believe has brought you to the point that you talked about? Yes. As a young man, 12, 13, 14, 15 years old, was a very hungry young man. I don't know why or how, except that the Lord just placed a hunger in me to learn, to grow, to read. Hitting my later teenage years, 16, 17, 18, I had a passion for the Lord had a passion to serve. And so as most young people, you know, where can I go and serve, Lord? Where 
I give you my life and mm-hmm. and the first response to surrendering and realizing why we're here on this earth and realizing that the pursuit of wealth or the pursuit of any earthly ambition mm. is so secondary and is sacrificed at the foot of the cross. Okay, then now I'm prepared to go. Mm-hmm. Send me to Asia. <laughs> Send me <laughs> right. somewhere. somewhere. I'm ready. Somewhere other than Lancaster. Where somewhere I grew other up, than right. Lancaster. Yeah. And with that mentality and just kind of processing life from that place of surrender and assuming that the Lord's going to send me somewhere, mm-hmm. business takes a back shelf position pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And business is generally in opposition of that <laughs> Lord send me perspective. And so growing up in the family business and as we, as I hit my early 20s and got married at 22 and I was really stiff arming the concept of business. <laughs> and while opportunities were there, opportunities were being presented and mm-hmm. I needed to make some decisions. Where are we going what am I saying yes to? Am I in or am I out when it comes to the family business and accepting responsibility? And it was about a year or so into our marriage where it just kind of felt like a breakthrough. And it was a process of a few weeks where things started shifting and clarity started coming for what my wife and I were really wrestling with. And I was beginning to understand how much tension I'm living under, Mm -hmm. trying to decipher is it missions or is it business? What am I giving my life to? Yeah. And I was resisting, like I said, stiff arming business because for years I was saying, there's enough of businessmen to go around. We're good. <laughs> I'm going to go. <laughs> but it came to a place where I realized that there are so many opportunities mm. in, different, in different ways. And the Lord does not need me as one to go, or does he need me to be a businessman? He can choose to place me where he sees fit. But the point, the kind of the breakthrough point was when I just came to a place of surrender saying, Father, whatever's in front of me, I'm going to give with my whole heart. And at that time, there were a lot of opportunities to step into more business management and and, uh, ownership and so forth. And what I was afraid of, the kind of subconscious fear that I had was that if I say yes now I'm going to be I'm going to be sucked into a whirlwind of business yeah. and pursuit of wealth yeah. that I might not be able to get out of. And in 50 you years you look back and say what did I do with my yes. life, right? Yeah. I was afraid of that. Mm. And while it's a legitimate thing to process, I realized that that's that's not of the Lord living with this fear and so it came to a place where the answer was yes, Father. The door you open in front of me is what I will walk through and not only half-heartedly walk through, but give my entire life to mm-hmm. with eagerness. Mm-hmm. When you close that door, I will come into agreement and I will close that door. <laughs> yeah. So if that's yeah. taking ownership in a business now and selling out in five years from now, mm-hmm. I'm going to be ready to say yes. Mm-hmm. And so that that totally opened a door to a, a realm that I hadn't yet lived in wow. and just being free to engage in the doors that the Lord was opening. Mm-hmm. And as I reflect back, so at this point, looking at looking back 10, 12 years ago and and the process of engaging in the family business and being okay, learning how to make money, mm-hmm. has set up a future, has set up my, where I'm at currently and decades into the future, Lord willing, where I'm more equipped to serve relationally and ministry-wise 
or whatever you want to put in there mm -hmm. than I would have ever guessed mm -hmm. 10 years ago when I felt like business was the enemy yeah. of what I wanted to do yeah. or what I felt God um, should call me into. Mm -hmm. And so it has the tension between family, business, missions. Yes, is a tension, but wow, they just all, they really can't empower one another as mm -hmm. well. And I, I feel like if we would realize the, there's a lot of young vision for, for serving, a lot of young vision for starting a nonprofit. Let's start another organization. Mm -hmm. And while that's great, we need nonprofit organizations. I feel like there's a lot of untapped potential in young folks who don't look at business as a, as an enemy, mm -hmm. but rather maybe learn some good principles and create an income stream mm -hmm. and the platform for your ministry mm -hmm. that you have a passion for expands tremendously mm -hmm. and is much more sustainable over not just two years, but maybe 20 years. Yeah. So that's a bit of the last decade and kind of that ebb and flow between business and family that, mm -hmm. uh, has been a wrestling point, yes. And I think that wrestle is so common for so many people. I walk, I mean, I walk that as well. Now I am arrived. I mean, I am sitting now in a position where I'm involved in a nonprofit, mm -hmm. uh, but I've been involved in business and you know ministry, you name it. And so, part of the conversation we had earlier as well is that we we'd like to separate this what we view as sacred and secular mm -hmm. when kingdom is in all things. And when you think mm -hmm. about business. And the amount of influence or significance you have through business is just so broad, and mm -hmm. it expands so quickly. I mean, you start talking about customers and vendors and the team you get to build and work with and a place of discipleship and, and all of that. And I would just uh, – just affirming, I guess, what your wrestle was in your 20s, my, my wrestle in my – all through my 20s was the same thing of viewing business as – maybe less than in a kingdom mm -hmm. perspective. And now when I actually look at the opportunities you have in business, mm -hmm. I mean, they're exponential. And that mm -hmm. network of relationships can expand and often with non-believers or those outside of the uh, local fellowship pretty quickly and pretty rapidly. And so it's just interesting that your journey in all of that was coming to this place of realizing uh, however, I think one thing you shared as well as profound is you decided that as you step through that door, you're going to get a bit everything you have. Mm -hmm. And I think just pondering, you're making me stir, think about, okay, what are we afraid of? Like so many times we're stuck or complacent because we're not giving it everything we have because we think this is just unto the next thing and the next thing may show up later today even, right? Ideally yesterday, uh, maybe tomorrow, but ideally today, yeah. <laughs> yes. And so just I would love to hear your thoughts on or more of that. What, what was the fear of missing out? Because um, that's really what I hear, right? We're afraid we go in the wrong direction. So if, if you would be talking to anyone, whatever age it is, and feel like there's an open door in front of them, but they haven't been stepping through it because they're afraid it's the wrong door. It's like, what are mm. we afraid of? Are we afraid of failing big and everybody mm. seeing that we messed up? But I think the Father in his faithfulness is willing to correct us as well. So I would just love to hear your thoughts on that for somebody that's at that threshold, mm -hmm. wrestling through that fear. What What's your thoughts on that? Yes. The tendency is to try and control which doors open and which doors close, <laughs> right? And when you step back and take a look at life, it's a total joke. It's like, 
the way the Lord orchestrates the opening and closing of doors so far exceeds mm. our ability to even understand that. Mm. And the longer life goes on for any of us, I believe, the more we look back and mm. we just marvel. Mm. Wow, this open door led to that. And so just releasing all of releasing that control and realizing that if the Lord opens a door, it's going to be a good one. It's going to be a good one. <laughs> he has our best interest in mind. Huh? He does. Yeah. He does. And when he closes the door, it's the right time. He has our no best interest in No matter <laughs> if it feels like the right time. Yeah. Yeah. And, and that has been equally challenging in, in, in my story is knowing or being okay when a door begins closing. Uh-huh. And it's like, wait, this is still something that – I'm having a lot of opportunities in or, mm-hmm. or passionate about, mm-hmm. but trusting the Lord mm-hmm. when the right door opens mm-hmm. or when the right door closes, it yeah. is just that. It's the right one. Yeah. And we don't always know, especially as a young person, when we're wrestling with which door do we walk mm-hmm. into? And it, it might feel like there's 25 half-open doors in front of us. Mm-hmm. Which one do you start walking through? Make it a matter of prayer and just start walking. Yeah. Just start walking. Keep yeah. a hungry mindset. <laughs> just start walking. The yeah. Lord will graciously let you know, mm-hmm. unless you're bullheaded, then he <laughs> might need to use <laughs> more blatant <laughs> things. Uh-huh. But the Lord will graciously let us know mm-hmm. when it's time to stop or mm-hmm. when we need to adjust mm-hmm. or say no. Yeah. So now that as you sit here, you've walked through some of that tension as a young person, and and now you're arrived or you're sitting in this, you're you're operating in the spaces you currently are, mm-hmm. family ministry or the local fellowship uh, specifically, um, and business, and so your practical lifestyle or methods to walk through again the things that are vying for your attention. How do you preserve family space? How do you preserve space for yourself? Like, what's your practical lifestyle look like in all those different contexts? That continues to be a fun challenge to walk. (laughs) The practical lifestyle Mm -hmm. in order to maintain family health, personal health, Mm -hmm. and continuing to walk in the responsibilities of Mm -hmm. ministry or business or whatever Mm -hmm. it is. One of the ways to maintain good, healthy rhythms in life is to learn when to delegate responsibilities, Mm -hmm. right? And that's been a challenge in in the workspace, but something that's been a tremendous blessing is Mm -hmm. is being intentional with growing a team, which allows my current position to be flexible enough where I can meet with people regularly, Mm -hmm. whether planned or unplanned. And I Mm -hmm. have that flexibility Mm -hmm. of interacting with people, especially in the church context, my personal commitment is to do as much as possible and almost all of my engagements during my typical work hours or what would be commonly Mm -hmm. my work hours and not allowing that to take over evenings and taking time from family. So that's that's critical. Mm -hmm. And I've heard many, we've all heard many stories where a church leader or mm-hmm. an organization or ministry leader or mm-hmm. business leader mm-hmm. is out late again, you know, mm-hmm. another meeting and missing supper again yeah. or missing the children's bedtime again. And that has, we've been very intentional with that and that has reaped significant rewards and it feels sustainable. You know, we can, mm-hmm. if I'm away from home for church meetings constantly or, or, or whatever, 
it's not sustainable. Mm. At some point, it's going to have to change. But establishing a, a routine that is sustainable for decades, if that's where mm-hmm. the Lord leads us into. Mm. And um, personal personal um, discipline and where, you know, how to maintain personal health, mm-hmm. that continues to be something that I, I'm seeking to learn. How mm-hmm. do I maintain good mental cognitive health? Yeah. Because I'm engaged in people all the yeah. time, right? <laughs> and HR at ways work, of doing that. family at home, yeah. um, church family as as uh, serving in the role of a deacon. Mm-hmm. And so always and just tons of opportunity to listen and to care for people. But I can't do that if my mind's not strong. Mm-hmm. And also physical health. And what does that look like? Mm-hmm. So that's been a fun challenge. The last year... I've been working with a good friend of mine, Andrew, from Reforged Fitness, that has been really helping me establish some good routines (laughs) for sustainable health. Uh And one of my questions that I'm asking is, who do I want to be when I'm 80? Yeah. I want to be sharp mentally. Mm -hmm. I want to be teaching and discipling when I'm 80 years old on the Mm -hmm. front porch rocking chair. (laughs) And I want to be physically in decent condition. So working on establishing rhythms and routines and yeah. daily practices to yeah. work towards that. So really what I'm hearing is you know who you, if if you're blessed to be here at 80 years old, you know who you want to be and so you're working backwards towards that with your disciplines and and saying when I arrive there, I want to do everything in my power is what I'm hearing yes. to arrive there in this physical condition, et cetera, mental health condition and all of that. There's a few things that you feel you can establish to arrive there like yes. that. Absolutely. I've heard many people um, in the last few years, a lot of people have been saying in my 30s is where I established this habit that lasted for a lifetime, wow. whether good or bad. Right? Wow. Yeah. And I'm the last the last few years realizing I'm in my 30s. <laughs> if I don't take this seriously now and do something for the for good prolonged health, whether it's eating habits yeah. or physical or, wow. or mental then I might yeah. be living in a time of future regret here. So. And you're really what I'm hearing is intentional living. And you alluded to this just briefly uh, in our previous conversation around a personal mission statement, I believe you called it, or yes. something of that. Um, has ha, Is that something that you feel is a key component to help bring direction to your life is what I'm wondering. So are you willing to share your mission statement? Certainly. How important do you think that is to have for everyone? And then how much has that helped you stay on mission is really what I'm wondering. Yes. Yeah. It's played a really big part in my life. Mm. And I feel that for, for anybody who is interested in living with purpose, which is most humans, (laughs) if you're hungry, (laughs) if you're interested in living with purpose, the questions need to be wrestled with. Now, I don't feel like it's top priority to write out a fancy purpose statement for everybody. If you want to, great. If you don't, it's okay. But you're going to need to be processing it if you want to live intentionally, Mm -hmm. right? When I was 19 and 20, I spent two years at Camp Andrews as an intern. And that was a tremendous time of development for me as a young man, as a person, as a leader, and just really building foundational things in my life Mm -hmm. inwardly that – the rest of my life is being built on. Mm. And it's just a tremendous gift. Mm. Um, that time was I was um, mentored very well mm. by Dan Lapp, good friend and a brother. You know Dan well <laughs> yeah. and has helped build a tremendous foundation. But during that time is when I 
spent a lot of time in reflection. What are my goals? What do I want to do? That's when my purpose statement was created mm-hmm. um, specifically during a six-day solo time wow. in 2010. And of uh, a difficult week, but a revolutionary mm-hmm. week when it came to just sifting through what am I going to set in place to become who I want to become? Mm-hmm. But my purpose statement, I'll read it if it's okay, dude. Yeah, I would love to hear it. Yeah. I will be a man of continual growth, daily discipline, a disciple of the word, and yielded to revelation. I will use my connection with the Father and ability to love, listen, and encourage to help people acquaint themselves with the Father and to embrace their pain. With patience and simplicity, I will lead and inspire people to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit and to live for the glory of God's kingdom and to live with the spirit of sonship. Hmm. So that's my that's my purpose statement. Yeah. And does it impact everything I do in life? Not in a direct way, but mm-hmm. certainly in an indirect way, yeah. yes. There's so many things that come back to who I wrote out I want to become. Yep. And not only I want to become, who God is asking me mm-hmm. or giving me the opportunity to mm-hmm. step into with specific personality traits mm-hmm. or gifts that um, I enjoy operating out of. Mm-hmm. And then just learning to live with dreams and goals. You know, dream wild. This this week I'm spending some time with the students from Faith Mennonite High School. And we're talking mm-hmm. about the last couple mornings about dreaming big. And mm-hmm. and too many of us don't spend enough of time thinking about crazy goals and dreams. And mm-hmm. that's a big piece of what directs the trajectory mm-hmm. of your life. Yeah. Well, and it's it's so good to even hear that purpose statement that you read out because honestly you embody that like you we haven't known each other that long but i've known about you far long before i've met you and just in the times that we have interacted in various scenarios or have been working together even in some things it's like what that you embody that very statement and so it's just interesting that that was your target and now you're becoming that in the Mm -hmm. day-to-day and mm-hmm. I'm just like, wait a minute, there's there's something in this. Like yes. we're walking towards something, either something of our choosing or we're just seeing things around us just kind of happen, right? Yes. It's like where are we walking and why are we walking in that direction becomes the question for me. Yes. I would actually love to hear a little bit. You talked about a six-day solo. Uh, mm-hmm. Just practically what was, what was that? What happened? Like what did that look like? Yeah, that's a good question. You know, it was not um... – when I reflect on it, there was some truly foundational, including so the, the purpose statement, mm-hmm. um, truly foundational for who I'm going to be until, I'm di- until I die. Mm-hmm. So it was a, a very influential time. Also wrote out a list of daily disciplines that I want to, things I want to do every wow. day for the rest of my life. And I've flopped miserably <laughs> on a number of those. Yeah. Um, but writing out my priorities, yeah. dreams, goals, things I'm good at, things that maybe the Lord has helped mm-hmm. me be good at for a specific purpose. But... That's the good piece that came out of that six-day solo. The <laughs> yeah. not-so-good times was the <laughs> – and I was also fasting during that time. Wow. So it was uh, on top of a mountain in central PA with a tent, and I'm a wilderness dude. So that was – I was in my element there. Mm. But, yeah, I got really bored. I got really upset mm. during that uh, week sometimes. But the wrestling and just the being quiet, mm. reflection, reflection, mm-hmm. reflection, and yeah. able to journal and pray and come home from that. And it felt like it took most of that week working through the frustrations of life. And then about the last day is when the downloads came. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> and isn't that so much how, yeah. you know, you 
you take a solo day or, or you take an hour to reflect. And sometimes it just takes the 90% of unwinding mm-hmm. and then the gold nuggets come in the 10%. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's really what that week was like for me. Yeah. And I committed to one of my daily or one of my life goal is to take one solo week a year mm. um, for the rest of my life. I have not accomplished <laughs> that well. Not a good yeah. fit for my family stage in life now, but yeah. I still like to take uh, numerous solo days mm-hmm. throughout the year and incorporate that some mm-hmm. with uh, my hunting hobby and mm-hmm. so forth, which has been a big blessing. And even what I'm, what I'm he- feel like I'm hearing you say is like centeredness, right? Just being centered. And it is something, I mean, this age of technology, myself, I mean, the phone, right? Everything, we're available all the time. Content and media and just whatever, whatever is vying for attention is constantly there. And so yes. thinking about taking a six day, six days to be by ourselves no outside distractions, no outside influences. Like you said, a lot of that would just be like frustrating or things coming up that we didn't even know were there, but we're just constantly on the go. And so that's why I was intrigued when you talked about a six-day solo, like what does it actually look like? Uh, Because, yeah, we start feeling something we don't want to feel. We can be distracted with something. Um, so do you, have you taken any more beyond the one? I know you said that you wanted to take a week every year, but have you done any more than the one or was that the only one you ended up taking then? None that long. Yeah. No no more solo weeks. So several days and a few overnight opportunities. Hmm. Yeah. But none, none that long. I want to, it's it's on the goal list. It's on the hit list there, but probably not this stage in the family. So what are some of the biggest challenges you would say you've faced in your journey? That's a good question. Biggest challenges. The personal discipline mm-hmm. challenge is a very real thing. And we talked some about the personal discipline and and learning to establish some or more forms of personal discipline currently so that mm-hmm. I can be who I want to be when I'm mm-hmm. 80 or be who the Lord yeah. is calling me And regardless be. of whether it's ministry, missions, business, That's you name right. it, it, that becomes irrelevant, right? And You're going to becomes... take yourself with you in all of those areas. Yes. Yep. And I want to do it healthily. Yep. I don't want to be an unhealthy survivor. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I want to be a healthy thriver yeah. in every stage in life until the Lord calls it done. But... So while that has been a high value, that's still been one of the biggest challenges for me is just mm-hmm. learning. I'm naturally undisciplined. I'm mm-hmm. naturally lazy. I really need people to do this well. And I have gone through seasons in life where I've I've uh, hated that and rejected that thought mm-hmm. of I need people. No, I, if I can't do it on my own, then am I truly disciplined, right? Mm-hmm. Well, I've kind of come to the place <laughs> where it's like, listen, <laughs> I'm created to do life with other people. Mm-hmm. It's okay for me to really need other people. Mm-hmm. I need my wife to help me. I need my family to support some of mm-hmm. my disciplines and personal goals and so mm-hmm. forth. I need you. I need my church. I need my yeah. business community. Yeah. Um, but that remains a real challenge. And... I think it's okay to acknowledge that, and or it's good to acknowledge that because personal disciplines we can, we can hold our. It just feels really good to think we're a very disciplined person, right? Mm-hmm. We all want to be disciplined, but it comes with needing other people significantly, mm-hmm. maintaining a balance between growing relationships and earning a living. That's another challenge I would say, mm-hmm. which we talked about that some. A personal challenge for me, overcoming the fear of hard conversations. 
Mm. I love to listen. I love to talk. I love to encourage. Mm. I hate having hard conversations. <laughs> uh, any, any type of conflict or anything like yes. that. No? Which is unfortunate because the Lord brings difficult circumstances mm. into our lives that need to be talked about so mm. we can learn. That's where redemption happens is yeah. in the hard conversations, yeah. right? That's when light bulb moments happen. Yeah. So it's really selfish and silly to be mm. too afraid of the hard conversations, but that is something that I have intentionally needed to really focus on growing in, mm. not only for my family, but in church mm. context and business context, mm. and just learning to be honest mm. in a safe kind of way. Mm. Wow. And I'm still chewing on what you said earlier, too. You want to be, you don't want to just be an unhealthy survivor. You want to be a healthy thriver, is yes. how we say. Yes. <laughs> yeah, and that, that's yes. just a lot in that. And then even here, what I'm saying is, you don't what you don't enjoy at all is messy relationships. But yet, mm-hmm. every area of life, you're intentionally investing in relationships, and so there's going to be mess, and right? Exactly. Exactly. And uh, but you're learning how to steer into that, which is yeah. Yes, and and just. What encourages me is knowing and seeing not only in my own life but in others that mm-hmm. you know we reflect back and what are the turning points mm-hmm. when somebody was able to honestly talk to me about this mm-hmm. or about that. Mm-hmm. So why am I so afraid of engaging a potential mm-hmm. life-changing turning point mm-hmm. for someone um, if that mm-hmm. is available through a difficult conversation about, mm-hmm. hey, this is what I'm seeing yep. and – it's not in alignment with where you want to go yeah. or not in alignment with mm-hmm. what um, your responsibility is or whatever. I think that's really what it would come down to me then is like why do you do what you do, right? Yes. Regardless of the context, like why do you, as Michael, like why do you do what you do? My number one goal in life is to bear fruit, mm-hmm. bear fruit for the Father, John mm-hmm. 15. The Father is glorified when his people bear fruit. So I want to bear fruit. Hmm. And one of the ways that we do that is by living out what we call the fruit of the Spirit, given to us in Galatians 5, right? Love, joy, peace. Hmm. And what does it look like to live in fullness of joy? What does it look like to... Hmm. So I want to... my Why do I do what I want? Why do I do what I do? I want to learn to live it and then teach it. Hmm. That's what inspires me from day to day. And to, to be discipled by the Father and by others, and then to disciple. Hmm. And that's my heart to bring that kind of vision into our workplace, into our church community. Be discipled, be actively pursuing mentors, and, and have a mindset of, of learning and hunger all the time, mm-hmm. till you die. <laughs> but then turn yeah. around and immediately be investing into mm. the next person. That's yeah. what makes the kingdom of God go around, Yeah, is that process of discipleship. So, yeah, bearing fruit and discipling. Yeah, and that's so good. And, and, you know, again, what we talked about is really the heart of these conversations we're having is around living a life of significance rather than just mm-hmm. a life of success. And that sounds like mm-hmm. what some of the things we've been talking about here today and boiling it down to that sounds like a life of significance, that if you do arrive at 80 years old, ideally as a healthy thriver, 
uh, looking back is was that a life of significance? And what I'm hearing is that's the why that is driving you in the day to day. So, and I may just have answered my own question, but that's really what I was going to say. So what we invest in compounds over time, there's we understand yes. compound interest from a finances standpoint, right? Yes. I think many of us understand that compound interest calculator mindset. But I believe that well, you've alluded to this earlier as well, that if you establish these disciplines at 30, like what's that going to lead into? So what do you hope that your investment, your life investment compounds into? Has that already been answered by our previous why? Or is there, yeah, what are you hoping that your life investment compounds into? Yes, I would say that um, does tie into the conversation or kind of the piece that we just came from with the discipleship piece. Hmm. The investment, if, if, if when I'm gone, the investment that I leave, if, it, if the return on investment is more people teaching and discipling and growing in the Lord and mm. bearing fruit for the glory of the Father, mm-hmm. bam. Yeah. There we go. Yeah. That's, that's the goal for mm. – and, and the investment principle is, I think, a, a way bigger deal in the mm. spiritual world. In the invisible world, then we certainly comprehend or talk mm-hmm. about. I think yeah. we should talk about that more because <laughs> yeah. it really is yeah. so similar to how we see it work out practically with yeah. business or yeah. or finances. Yeah. But hungry people grow, mm-hmm. so be hungry, be hungry. and <laughs> pursue opportunities that the Lord puts mm-hmm. in front of us. Yeah, it's one of the biggest gold nuggets that I would say is on my mind as I reflect on mm-hmm. the Lord's journey in my life so far is mm-hmm. just be hungry. Yeah. And when I'm hungry, the Lord delivers. Mm-hmm. He loves to lead a hungry yeah. person. Yeah. And it's fun to disciple someone who's yeah. hungry. Yeah. So focus on those that yeah. are hungry and let us grow. Yeah. And I know we we talked about a little bit about your journey of where you're at and being really okay with where the spaces that you're currently occupying and thriving in those and, and building relationships. But if you had, if you think about, like, do you have something in mind beyond what you're currently doing? And and if you do, you don't need to share what that is, right? But, like, as a growth-oriented person, you're being so disciplined, you're being so intentional. Do you have, like, this grand vision of something else beyond what you're currently doing? Or are you just that settled that, you know what, you know it's going to lead to something more and you'll figure it out later, so I'm that's just wondering, like, is there vision in there yet that's untapped, or where what's happening for Michael in this season? Yes. So I don't feel like I'm actually a very visionary person. Yeah, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I have all kinds of. I could I could give you my my list of wild dreams and goals, but I would not really call that great vision. That's right. pie in the sky, right? Yeah. And maybe I'll hit them. Maybe I won't. I love living in the practical space, in the day-to-day space, and mm. even in the business world. I'm not a visionary. Yep. I would not be leading a business <laughs> by my own at all, but I love being the hands and feet of mm. a vision. Yeah. And so that's really kind of where I thrive in, whether mm. it's in family, church, or yep. or business. But there certainly are big, you know, some big picture things. My wife and I still dream of doing life in another culture and moving into another culture mm-hmm. and bringing the gospel. Yeah. 
I have a heart for the primitive. <laughs> I love primitive cultures. Yeah. I love dreaming of engaging in um, and wilderness, a discipleship in wilderness, mm. kind of using the primitive. Yeah. I feel like that's where we learn the best. And so I don't know. Maybe the Lord will bring mm. that to pass. But that doesn't weigh on my mind a whole lot. And mm. I don't wrestle with the question, where mm. am I, you know, what am I going to be doing in, in 10 years or in mm. 20 years in a way that hopefully doesn't sound too weird, but I really don't care. I'm yeah. I'm loving yeah. and I'm going to engage day to day, year yeah. by year. I, I live with purpose, mm-hmm. certainly not void of purpose, yeah. and have a vision of who I want to be as a man. But big picture vision, I don't know. I dream of moving to Alaska. My wife dreams of moving to Haiti. So, so far we are delighting to be right in the middle there and living in Lancaster County, Pennsylvania. And getting the four seasons. Getting the four seasons. extreme than you would at one of those two locations. Yes. Huh? yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, it's so good. Again, I I would love to close out by you just reading your purpose statement again because, like I said, Michael, I feel that just embodies who you are and i'm like if if you set out for that goal roughly 10 years ago you know as a six-day solo wilderness uh excursion and 10 years later you're arriving here again what what could it compound into yes uh, but i just really appreciate you was what i'm saying appreciate our friendship excited to see wherever god takes you whether it's here haiti alaska wherever it is in your life But I would just love to hear, if you don't mind sharing that statement one more time, just to give me and our guests here some some thinking and some processing about what are the what do what do I want to achieve? What does a life of significance look like for me? Uh, And so if you don't mind sharing that again, I think we'll close with that. That sounds great. Yes, I'll read it again. My purpose in life, my purpose statement. I will be a man of continual growth, daily discipline a disciple of the word, and yielded to revelation. I will use my connection with the Father and ability to love, listen, and encourage to help people acquaint themselves with the Father and embrace their pain. Mm -hmm. With patience and simplicity, I will lead and inspire people to walk in obedience to the Holy Spirit and to live for the glory of God's kingdom to live with the spirit of sonship. <laughs> so good. So good. Well, hey, thank you so much for serving our community, our region, even the glo- the, those around the globe from a place of family, your church leadership, business, all the things that you are giving time to. Um, I'm, on behalf of everybody, I say thank you to Michael and your wife, Catherine, um, for investing yes. everything that you're investing. So thank you. What an honor. You're welcome. <laughs> Praise God. All right. Bless you, and we'll close with that and so thanks for all those that have joined us uh, for this interview with Michael Ash. May you be blessed on your journey as you discover your purpose define your purpose and walk in your purpose. Uh, Thanks for joining us uh, for this time. 